This morning I'm going to be talking about wielding the, the sword of the Spirit. And, uh, and wielding really means using, okay? Or, or, or in taking the sword up, or taking it up, or, and using it. Um, and, and a lot of you know that the sword of the Spirit we're talking about is, is the Word of God. But before we get, get into that, maybe if you have a Bible, you can go to Isaiah 55, and we'll, we'll get to that scripture in a moment. Um, but how many of you guys like chicken licking? Let's just start there this morning. <laughs> um, so do you remember a little while back there was this, this advert, this cool chicken licking advert, where this guy had this monkey on his back? Do you remember that? And it started off as like a small monkey on his back, and then it just grew, and it grew, and it grew. And eventually, it started, to, just this thing was on his back when he was driving his scooter, when he was in the shops, when he was trying to work, he was trying to do life, but he had this big monkey, and it just kept getting bigger on his back. And eventually, he arrives at Chicken Lickin', he orders his burger, and when he bites into it, the monkey just disappears. You know, it's like that, that, the monkey on his back was this, he just had to have Chicken Lickin'. And, uh, and this poor guy, you know, I look at him, as soon as he walks out of that shop again, guess what, the monkey's still there. He's small, but he's going to start to grow again until he probably comes back and buys some more chicken licking. Do you, do you guys remember the adverts? If you haven't seen it, it was, it was priceless. I mean, it was just brilliant. Um, but, you know, I was, I was just looking at that, and, and when it reminded me of uh, this time a, a good few years ago when I was uh, about to lecture at Bible school, and I was about to teach about the Word of God, and I saw this picture clearly in my spirit of this Christian, and this Christian was bent over like this, and his knees were bent, and it was a, just a posture of defeat, and sitting on the back of this Christian was this kind of demonic power who was just kind of enjoying the ride, kind of like a monkey on his back, all right? And, uh, and this Christian, this interesting thing about this Christian is he was just walking slowly with this monkey on his back. And in his hand was this massive sword that was dragging on the ground like this. And when I saw this picture, I knew exactly what God was showing me. He was saying, Wayne, so many people are suffering under the burden of the enemy when they don't have to. And the reason why they're suffering is because they don't understand the weapon that they have. And they don't understand how to use the weapon that they have. And, and, and I, he gave me that picture before I went into to lecture at a, at a Bible school moment. And we had an powerful evening that night of deliverance where people were actually getting set free while the, the teaching and the preaching of the Word was taking place. And it was, the reason why it was starting to happen was because there was a, there was an, there was an understanding that was coming to people who were there about the power that God has given us to change the circumstances and the realities that sometimes we live under. You know, sometimes as we travel through this life, we pick up a couple monkeys on our back. And we, we pick up a couple of demonic spirits and we we come under the influence of of the climate of the city and it's not long sometimes that we find ourselves in a position where we we're dragging we're not experiencing what god has promised to us and yet we are equipped in every way we have what we need to defeat the enemy and experience what god has promised us and god has given us a sword 
He's given us the sword, and it's called His Word. It's a sword, and it's, an, and it's a powerful sword. And when we start to wield it, when we start to use it, we start to see God's realities come into our lives. You know, in, in the old days, swords were things that conquered empires and subdued nations and expanded kingdoms. But it was by the sword that the, the ancient world was ruled. Okay, we kind of... If a modern day example would be probably a gun, you know. But, but back in those days when, when it was talking about swords, swords were, were symbols of power. Swords were symbols of dominion. So by swords you were able to take ground, you were able to subdue things and take exercise dominion and lordship. And it's through the sword of the Spirit, it's through the Word of God that we are able to expand our dominion on this earth. That we are able to expand what God has given us by the sword of the Spirit, by the Word of God, that we're able to start to take the dominion and the authority that God has given us as Christians. Boy, do we know. Do we really need to know how to use our swords? Can you nudge somebody this morning and say, it's time to pick up your sword. It's time to pick up your sword. Ephesians 6 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is a vital component to our armor. This, Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. And the sword of the Spirit here is, is a vital aspect. It's the only means, it's the only thing that we have on the offense. Everything else is defensive, but it's the sword that, that puts, puts us on the offense. It's by the sword that we actually start to take ground. It's by the sword that we actually start to attack the enemy. It's by the sword that we start to establish God's rule in our lives. I don't know about you. How, how, how many of you here this morning, you want God's will for your life? You pray that prayer. Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on my, in my life as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, eh? Do, do we really want that? I want that. I don't know about you. I want heaven on earth. I want heaven in my life. I want God's will to be done. How is God's reign established in my life? It's through the Word of God. It's through this thing called the sword of the Spirit. It's through the Word of God. As you start to hear the Word of God, as you start to see the Word of God, as you start to read the Word of God, as you start to speak the Word of God, you start to see God's rule and reign and will being established in your life. There is no other way. It's through His Word. It's only when we start to speak, see, say the Word in our lives that we'll start to see the rule and the reign of God come. It is very clear in the Bible that we live in a spiritual battle and there's no demilitarized zone. And that the kingdom of God advances forcefully on this world. Why? Because there is an imposter who has established a throne in this place. He's established a kingdom, he's taken dominion, and he does not want his kingdom to be, uh, to be overthrown. He does not want his kingdom to be destroyed. He does not want you to experience the life 
that God has promised. He does not want you to have the peace that, the, that God has promised. He does not want you to have the prosperity that God has promised. He doesn't want you to experience the love that God has promised. He doesn't want you to have the destiny that God has promised you. And he forcefully holds on to what he believes is his. And it's only when we start to release the sword, the word of God, that we actually start to see that kingdom coming under the authority of God's kingdom. It's through the sword that the kingdom advances in our lives. That the rule, the reign, the establishment of God's kingdom in our lives starts to happen through the word of God. Now somebody say, it's through the word of God. It's through the word of God. It's through his word. Now, I know we're in Isaiah 55. We'll get there in a moment. But let me just say this. Anon said this. Let's just start, let's just start somewhere and, and, and we're going to work our way. I'm getting ahead of myself this morning. Let's just work our way back to, to, to that moment, okay? Let's just start somewhere this morning. Anon said this. Anon is a very wise person. They, 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 they say a lot of things. They said that words are the most important things in the universe. Words are the most important things in the universe. You know, the Bible actually has a lot to say about words. Stuff that we Christians need to understand. That words are not simply just air moving through your larynx to make a sound. But words are actually containers and instruments and are actually used to to do things. They actually contain power, real power in and of themselves. If you go read Genesis chapter 1... There's one phrase that stands out the most. What phrase is that? Genesis chapter 1. And God spoke and God said. Actually, it says it nine times in one chapter. Can we say it nine times this morning just for fun? Let's go. And God said. 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 And God said, and God said, <laughs> and it was done. And everything that you see around you was made after he had said the things nine times. The worlds came into being. They were beautifully coordinated. Everything that, w- that, that, that we see with our lives in, in nature, in creation, in stars, in the universe, everything was done with just nine, and God said, and God said. In Psalm 33, it says this. It says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So God spoke his word, and everything was created. In Hebrews 1 and verse 3, It says, God upholds, He maintains, He guides, and He propels the universe by His Word. I always just think about that. You know, have have you ever wondered why it is the earth is where it is? Do you know, know, like, I know it's like, I know it's just like an odd thing to think about, but I always kind of wonder, why doesn't it just drop? Like, what is actually keeping it 
there, like, why doesn't it just keep falling and just fall and fall and fall? Or why doesn't the sun just fall and fall and fall? And I know obviously there's gravities and stuff like that, but, but, but the Bible tells us that it's all, everything that we see, the, the universe and the earth and everything, is actually being held together by not sticky tape, thank the Lord, or prestic or cement, or it's being held together and it's doing what it's doing because of God's words. Actually, words are put, keeping them in that place. It's His words that are actually holding it and propelling it together. So what we see is God's word is full of power. And just like you and I would maybe want to go and, if we, if we wanted to build something, we would go get some wood, we would get some nails, get some tools together, you know, we're going to go build something. If God wants to create something, he, he gets His words together. He gets words together and He uses His words to create things. In Psalm 107, you don't have to go there, it'll, it'll come up. It says, He sent, can you read that? His? What did God send? And what was the result of Him sending His word? Healed them and He delivered them from their destructions. God sent what? And what was the result? Healing and deliverance. If God wants to do something, what does He do? He sends His Word. Notice He didn't send His power. He didn't send his angel forces to do it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't send like, a, I don't know, what, um, medicine. You know, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do any of those things. He sent His Word, and His Word did all of those things. When the Word got released, healing came, whether it was through medicine or whether it was through prayer or it was through in worship or was it whatever. It doesn't matter how it came, but because when the Word comes, it uses whatever is there in the natural, puts it together so that God's plans can come to pass. But what does He do? He sends His, his Word in, the, in John chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word, it says later on, became flesh and dwelt amongst us, talking about Jesus. Jesus was actually the Word of God that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And every word He spoke was the Word of of God. He said, I don't speak on my own terms. Whatever the Father gives me, that's what I speak. So he was the embodiment of God's word. So God sent his word and his word became flesh. So even Jesus is actually the word of God manifested. So everything that God wants to do on the earth, God wanted a savior, God wanted things. So what did he do? He sent his word. And then what happens? The word starts to do things. The word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us every time god wants to do something he sends his word and it's done are you in isaiah 55 let's read together it says so shall be my word that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what i please And it shall prosper in the thing 
for which I sent it. Amen. Help us, Lord, to understand and to really grasp this truth and revelation. So shall be the word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void. What does that mean? It means that when God says something, it's done. It doesn't mean that it's already there. It doesn't mean that it's, it's happening. But it does mean that once he sent it, it will not come back to him void. What does that say? Is that God prioritizes his word. God prioritizes his word. He puts it as number one. So if he says it, he will do it. He will follow through with it. He's, he gets behind his word. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Look at your Bible. God gets behind that book. <laughs> he gets behind it. And, he, and it says, he, also in another scripture, it says, he watches over it to perform it. So he's looking at it and he's watching over it and he wants it to achieve what he has in mind when he said it. And the amazing thing is we see this in the life of Jesus as well. You know, when there was the storm raging and the boat was filling up with water, what did Jesus do? He spoke to the storm and he said, be still and be calm. And what happened? The wind died down. Everything calmed down. Everything, it was a still awesome moment. When he commanded Lazarus to come out of the tomb, Lazarus had been dead for three days. And he, what did he say? Lazarus, come forth. And that dead body that was in the tomb came out of the tomb. I don't know how, it says that Lazarus came out. But I don't know how, and he was still wrapped in his clothing. I don't know how he came out. Because they would actually bind you like, like, like a mummy. So whether he was hopping <laughs> out, you know, um, or whether he just kind of levitated out. Because <laughs> then Jesus was like, get those clothes off him. The guy can't walk, you know. Get, unwrap him. But, it, but I like to think it was, it was the power of his word. Lazarus, in a loud voice, he said, come out. And the power of God was released and Lazarus came out. When he was in a meeting, there was a guy with a withered hand. And he said, stretch out your hand. He spoke the word. The guy stretched out his hand and he was healed. There was another guy who was crippled and he said, pick up your bed and walk. And the guy picked up his bed and everything moves and bows to the word of God. When Jesus says, Jesus, Jesus asked people, what do you want me to do? I want to see, Lord, be healed. Receive your sight. Guess what happens? Eyeballs are made and formed and brains are rewired and, and people can see when they couldn't see before. To the point where even the Roman centurion, who kind of had been watching Jesus for a while and realized this guy is the real deal. This guy is, this guy is it. This is, he, yeah, authentic. <laughs> the real deal. Not Justin Jay, you know, this oak. He's got it. And his servant was sick. So where does he go? He goes to Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay, come, let's go. Let's go heal this guy. And he's like, no, Lord, only say the word and my servant will be healed. Only say the word. What has God said about you? What has God said about your life? What do you need to hear God say? 
in your world. I can tell you now, He's actually probably already said it in His Word. And it's already there for you. And it needs you to pick it up and start to release it into your world. Let me tell you something. Everything changes with a word from the Lord. When you're in trouble, when you're in trial, when you're sick, when you're broke, when, when you need an answer, when life's confusing and you don't know what's going on, what do you actually need? You need a word from the Lord. Or you need to take the words that He's already said and you need to start to use them and speak them into your situation. It's all in His Word. You know, the crazy thing is this, is that in Genesis it, talks, it says that you and I have been made in the image of God. Hey, isn't that awesome? And one of the... the, 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 the when it says that we're made in the image of God, the, the attributes that we immediately align. If you're just reading Genesis, you haven't read the rest of the Bible, and you don't know what humankind can do, and you've, you, you, this is right at the beginning, this is right at the start, there's just Adam, there's just Eve. If, if you say they're made in the image of God, the immediate attribute that you give to mankind as a result of the fact of him being made in the image of God is the fact that man can speak. It's the one thing out of all the outs in creation, no other species, all right, can speak the spoken word. My, my ring neck can say hello. It can, Asipe. You know that. <laughs> but he doesn't really understand what hello means. <laughs> hello. <laughs> she thinks it doesn't say it. It does, actually. <laughs> Let it be said for the record. But the, the attribute... The attribute that we have, that you attribute to us, is the fact that we can speak as well, like God can speak. God has entrusted us with the ability to speak. It's it's the most unique, the most powerful gift that has been given to us is our ability to speak. We see... This incredible chapter of God said, and God said, and God said, and let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And what's the the result of that is that man speaks. You kind of almost get like the, the, the sense that the stage is set. Like what will man say now? <laughs> what will he do with this gift of speaking? Everything that you see in the world that we have today is a result of words. This is the world we've created with our words. This is the world we live in. The world we live in is the, is the world that we've created with words. Oh, but you might say, oh, but it's in constitution. Well, it's the words. Well, it was done in speeches and it was done in, in, in my family. Yeah, but there was, a, it was all communicated in words. It was all communicated. Words start to shape our reality. So just like God speaks and the world jumps and galaxies jump and the, the natural order is created, when we speak, our realities are created. Our worlds are affected. Proverbs 18 says this, that life and death has been put in the power of the tongue. It's not anywhere else. It's in the, in the tongue. Is that in, actually in our words, we are able to heal or destroy 
We are able to build up or pull down with just our words. By just speaking, we are able to see our worlds actually start to transform. Some of you are like, yeah, we need to watch our mouths. Proverbs goes on to say that you will be satisfied by the fruit of your lips. In other words, that what you start to speak and say over your life is then what your life will eventually become and what you will taste and see. So if negativity comes out of your mouth, guess what you will eat? Negativity. It will be the fruit that you eat. If you're speaking positivity and if you're speaking the Word of God, guess what you start to to, to experience, to taste? The Word of God, the promises of God, what God has destined for you. Why? It's all coming out of your mouth. James, the book of James says this, that just like you have these massive ships and they turned with a rudder. These massive ships are turned with these tiny rudders, just like this big aircraft carrier up here. So it is with your tongue that your life turns. Your tongue is like that rudder. As you speak, as you talk, your life begins to move and change direction. And I'm not just talking about speaking with your tongue. I'm talking about talking with your heart. Because sometimes there's an external conversation and an internal conversation. And what I've learned is that the internal conversation is often actually the more important one. What are you saying on the inside? What kind of, what, what message is going out in your heart and out of your lips and into the world around you, is it what you read and see because then that's all you will experience and taste in your life? Or is it what God sees and experiences? And then you'll start to experience that. Your mouth is like a rudder and it turns. You are where you are today because of the words that have been spoken over you, that you've allowed into your world, and that what you have spoken over you and your life and your marriage and your kids and your finances and your whatever ministry or whatever it is, it is a product of words. I hope light bulbs are going on this morning. I, nothing is cast in stone. That's what, this is, that's what the world is. God has said... Mankind, you have dominion. That's what he said. He said, you can have dominion. In other words, shape. In other words, shape, build, do. Just, you know, go. So, so and, and, the, and, the, and the, the main method by which we do that is through words. Writing them, speaking them, believing them, saying them, confessing them, hearing them, speaking them out of our mouths. They begin to build, shape, change, do, get us to where we are today. You know, I was actually reading about this. I mean, I, was, I, I got lost. You know, sometimes in my sermon research, I get lost. I just like go down a rabbit hole and I'm just like, what? Because I enjoy studying. I enjoy like learning new things. But I, I got stuck into quantum physics. <laughs> and I started reading, any like quantum physics fans here this morning? What? An interesting subject. My goodness, man. I'm like, man, I just wish I had another life just to study some of these things, you know? I mean, it's just incredible. And, and what in quantum physics, what they've, they've found is that at, the, at that nucleus, proton, neutron level, we actually start to see it respond to, to, to voice. 
we actually start to see atoms responding to voice. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. But not only to voice, but even to expectation. That experiments change when we expect them to change at the quantum level. It's just, it's bizarre. But if you look at the Bible, what does that mean? It's just, Jesus said, faith, which is expectation, and speaking. And what happens? Things change. So quantum physics is actually proving what Jesus has said. So at that level, when we expect, when we have faith and when we start to speak, things actually start to change. And in psychology, what they found, not Christian studies, they call it talk therapy, where they have patients with serious illnesses and disorders and depressions, and they give them things to speak over their lives. They give them positive words, not Christian even, positive words. And it's incredible. They're seeing incredible results. People's lives getting healed and turned around because they're starting to speak over their lives differently. It's absolutely incredible what's taking place. And that's not even Bible. That's science and psychology out there that's confirming what God has said, that there is power in words. And you know what I'm talking about. You grew up in a family and you went to a school or somewhere and somebody said something negative to you at some point. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Somebody said something, you're no good, you're nothing, you're whatever, you can't do this. It's amazing how the, that, that has power here. And, and sometimes it actually changes even the course of our lives. I've sat with some people in counseling and worked out that the reason why their lives are in such a mess and such a struggle is just because of some words that were spoken. And we get to cancel those words. We get to rebuke them, send them back to hell, and we get to declare a new word over their lives. And guess what? Suddenly things start to change. Why? Just because you can live under the power of words. Nations can even be under the power of words. I mean, just, you, you words are, are the, are, why is it that Satan always goes for media? You know, when you're driving down the highway and you see the, the newspaper headlines, Bafana's hope, World Cup hopes revived. While you're driving. (laughs) It's just words. But there's a little bit of, could it be? (laughs) Could it be? There's a little bit of hope. Or you're driving down the road a little further and you see, all blacks triumph again. (laughs) And your day's ruined. (laughs) It's just, but, but it's amazing how at every light post, you know, every newspaper, everywhere we go, there's words and they are strategically placed and located in order to achieve a result. I'm going to tell you something interesting here. There are words over this city for negativity, pessimism. There, there, there are the, the enemy strategy over Durban is negativity. De- depressive words. And he loves to just blast them out everywhere. And it's interesting because I've lived in other cities and whenever I go to other cities, I always... I'm always interested by the change in atmospheres that I that you kind of step into. When I go to some cities, well, I'm suddenly very creative and I can think and you know, and I, and I find we're in Durban, there there is a real depressive agenda of the enemy trying to keep us down and depressed, like that nothing's going to work, 
Nothing's going to prosper. Your business is going to fail. Things won't get better. You see, things are always like that. It's like this, this agenda of the enemy over a city, and he strategically locates himself and begins to publish this stuff all over the city. And why? Because those words are powerful. They keep us from being adventurous. They keep us from stepping out. They keep us from trying what God has said, rather. You know, it's all strategy. You know, and he has various strategies with different cities. But, but we've got to be smart, guys. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not going to live under some words and some stories. I don't think we need to, you know, sometimes, this is the problem, is, is that we just think this is what it is. No, this is not what it is. We need some new words. <laughs> we need some new stories to come out. We need to uphold the Word of God and declare the Word of God in our environments and in our businesses and over our neighborhoods and over our families. And, you know, that's what we're doing here when we worship on a Sunday morning and we're singing, Your Kingdom Come, God. We're actually declaring it over the city. We're changing the climate in the city. We're repositioning spiritual powers and we're enabling the kingdom to come. And, and what happens is things get lifted off us and we're able to see further, see clearer. We're able to prosper. We're able to step into destiny and purpose because we're changing atmospheres. That's why worship's important. That's why you need to show up and worship. Whether you feel like it or whether you don't feel like it, you need to come in here and you need to sing that stuff, man. Let me tell you, this is good stuff, eh? It's good stuff, man. Eh? <laughs> this is good stuff. We need to declare them and say them with faith. Believing and knowing what we know about words in the Bible. And how powerful they are. You can just sing a song over your life and you can be healed, people. Your body can literally change and come in line because you're singing with faith. Declaring the word of God. What you're doing is you're releasing a sword. And a sword is cutting the enemy's plans down. It's a forcefully advancing God's kingdom. It's destroying the works of darkness that are against you. And it's establishing God's rule and reign in your life. It's through the sword of the Spirit, through the word of God, through the words that God speaks. Are you still okay? Mark 11, please, let's go there. Mark 11. We, we, we've said everything that we've said this morning just to get to this passage. Is that all right? <laughs> just, that was just build up, all right? The sermon actually starts now. <laughs> Sometimes we have to lay some foundations because if I actually had to start at this passage, like your faith would not be where it is right now. Like we had to get to this point here because sometimes you can just read this and it's, just, it's too far. So that's why we had to go to Genesis 1. We had to build up and we had to see where, where you are and who you are. And, okay, so we've done all of that. Mark 11, 22, let's read together. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. <laughs> this is Jesus talking, not me. Okay, this is the Bible here. I don't know about you, but that's pretty powerful. Okay, I don't know about you, did you, did you see what he said? Do you see what he said? 
Oh, does it make you any excited? Just think about it in the context of your life. He will or she will, girls, amen, will have whatever she says. Can I, now we can understand this passage because we've built up there. We, we, we understand now the power of words, God's words, the power that God has given us to speak words. And Jesus is saying here that we speak with our mouths and we believe with our hearts and the result is that mountains start to move. And he doesn't just leave it at mountains. He says, and whatever he will have, whatever. Can you just say whatever? Whatever. Whatever, he says. Doesn't just leave it at mountains. Some of you are like, whoo, let's get rid of the mountains. Yeah, it doesn't just leave it there. Awesome, the mountains are going to go. They're going to be removed. They'll be cast into sea. But there's also a whatever in there too. And people, I just want you to get this. Your life does not have to be what it is right now. This is, this is what Jesus came to bring, hope. This is what Jesus came to do, to reestablish our authority here on this earth. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to give us back the life that God intended us to have. This is what, and he's showing us two keys here. He's giving us like the, the understanding that we need in order to get this thing right. What do we need to do? We need to speak. We have to speak. We have to let the words of God come out of our mouths, but also we need to believe in our hearts. How many of you know the speaking part's a little bit easier than the believing part? <laughs> Isn't that true? I, you know, the speaking part, we can speak it, and it's a bit odd, and it's a bit strange, but we can do it. But the believing part, you, that's hard. Why is it hard? Well, because in your heart, your heart is where you think, you feel, and you choose. It's, 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 it's thinking, feeling, choosing. That's what happens in your heart. It's like the seat of your understanding. So, so even though I know what God's Word says, in my brain I think that, yeah, it's more for other people than it is for me. Isn't that true? There's like, we think it. We think, yeah, but it's maybe more for others than it. Can I tell you something cool that happened two weeks ago? After church, we were having refreshments, and uh, Ashley, Ashley and Daniel were in the back and talking about how some kids got healed in kids' church. Some legs were growing, all right, that were not there. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Now, just so you know, when I was standing there listening, my one leg is longer than the other leg, and by four centimeters. It was quite, quite, a, quite a big gap. So I've been going to the Cairo, and he's been clicking me, and he made it get down to two and a half centimeters. Um, and then I went back again, and he clicked me again, and he clicked me again, and, and he didn't make any progress. He's, it's that two and a half centimeters left leg longer than the right leg. And, um, and so he was telling me I need to get some inserts for my shoes, you know, just to kind of build the one up over the other one. And there I am standing in the foyer, and I'm listening to how God's growing legs in children's church, which is cool. That's why they need to be having church, amen? <laughs> Kids are having church, hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> Kids are having church. So I'm listening to this, and I'm like thinking, feeling, yes, God heals, I speak it with my lips, but it's for the kids, it's not for me. Great man of faith, yeah, hey. <laughs> so I kind of just like, I'm like, wow, that's cool, and I, and I, and I just kind of mentioned, oh, my, my leg is longer than the other one as well. 
And then I left it and I kind of walked away and got my tea and coffee. And then Daniel was like, ah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Tells Ashley, no, I don't have any chance. <laughs> I'm like, pasta on the floor, let's go. Put your back against the couch. Let's, let's check this thing out. So I sit down, I'm on the floor, and I put my two legs out, and Knox is walking past, and uh, she looks down, and she goes, Woo! That one's long. Because <laughs> it's literally like this, you know? It's literally like this. And then Ashley's like, no, she's excited. She's getting to pray for me. She's coming. Daniel's there. We're lining it up. We're getting the video camera ready. I stretch forward like this. I feel something. I, don't even, I didn't feel anything. Next thing, my legs are straight. Next thing, they're perfect like this. She, she hadn't even started praying, and it was there already. And I was like, no way. You know, I could have said it with my mouth, but in my heart, my heart was still having to catch up even afterwards. First thing I did that night, got home, sat against the wall, put my feet out. It's like... No, they're the same. The next day, I woke up in the morning, put my back against the wall. I've been checking almost every second day. I checked this morning. They're still perfect. They're still straight. You know? (laughs) So, So there's a gap between our mouths and our hearts that needs to come in alignment. And so Jesus, this is, this, is, this is what I find, people. Are you still okay? This is what I find, is that we, we can speak, but our hearts are far, far from what we're saying. But this is the amazing thing that happens, is that as we begin to speak more, our hearts, our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts start to follow our words. Everything starts to follow words. So the more we begin to speak, and this is the problem that we have as Christians, we think it's weird. Because our hearts are not where our mouths are at. And so we get out the scriptures on healing, or we get out the scriptures on prosperity, or we get out the scriptures that even God has given us prophetic words. And we're like, okay, let's wield the sword. Yeah. Take ground for the kingdom. Your word says, Lord, that I will be a prophet to the nations. Your word says that I will walk again. Your word says that my family will be saved. Your word says that I will be healthy and whole. Your word says that I will be an entrepreneur. Your word says that I am blessed and I'll lend to nations and I won't borrow from nations and that you're going to get me out of debt and you're going to provide for my family and you're going to pay my tuition and you're going to pay off the bond. Your word says, your word says, and we sang, but our hearts need to catch up. And then the problem is we run out of steam. Okay? And what we haven't had is the synchronization of mouth and heart. Because when we get the mouth and the heart, then we start to see mountains starting to move. Then, then I don't know, there's been times when I've just labored in my, in, my, in my room, just speaking in my study, words, just saying the words, and they feel dry, and they feel hard, and they feel difficult, and it feels foreign, and I don't know if I even believe sometimes, and I'm just thinking, will anything ever change, and what am I doing, is this witchcraft, you know, you know, like, what's going on here, you know, sometimes your heart is like, you know, am I just trying to manipulate, or what, what's the way, you know, and your brain, your heart is sometimes so far away away from the truth of God's word, but God's word is still truth. And then sometimes I know that as I begin to labor, something happens and I step into a new realm. 
a new realm of authority, a new realm of synchronicity with the word in my heart. And then I start to speak and pray and, I, and power starts to come. And I start to sense and feel God is in this thing. God is moving here. And that's where we need to get to and that's where we need to be, people. If you're going to wield the sword, listen, remember this is not just like a, like a, like, okay, I'm all excited about the sword now and I'm going to go use the sword. This is, this is about a lifestyle of getting my heart behind the words that I'm declaring with my mouth, which are the words that God has promised and said. It's, it's about, I'm going to bring my life. I'm going to bring my everything. This is not just some, like, I'm just going to throw these scriptures out. It's like, you know, like some formula thing. But I'm going to bring my life, my thoughts, my, my everything. And it's amazing. You know, the word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It exposes and analyzes our very innermost thoughts. It shows us who we really are. Have you found that? That you read the word of God and you realize how much faith you really have. Or how far your life is. And then there's that process of going, well, I repent of that. And I say no to that. And, and there's this inner process that we need to go through where we bring it all into synchronicity with what God has said. And we start to speak in faith. And, and I just, what I find, I'm just trying to be practical this morning. What I find with a lot of us is we get excited about the sword. But our hearts are not there. And we're not willing to get them there. So if you really want to use the sword, what I'm saying is get your heart there. Get your heart there too. And that's a process, man. And it's, it's, it's you going to change in the process. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But you'll find that faith will start to rise. And you'll be genuine when you start to pray for the sick. When you start to really trust God to do the miraculous. It won't be those like kind of empty prayers with, oh, Lord, I trust you to heal this family and turn their situation. Because it's so bad, 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 Lord. You know how bad it is, Lord. And you can do it, Lord. Amen. <laughs> You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he will have whatever he says. You'll have whatever he says. Whatever he says, believe in the heart, speak it with the lips, and you will have what you say. Um, one more scripture. Are you okay? What last? Maybe last one? Let's go to the last one. Zechariah 4. You don't have to go there. It's going to come up. I just want to give a, a practical example of this. Zechariah 4, verse 6 to 7. It says the following. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Now, what, what, is, what is going on here? I, just, I wanted to bring this out because this is a real-life practical example of everything that Jesus was talking about, about moving mountains. So Zerubbabel, for those of you who don't know, was the, the kind of the governor, the leader of Isra- the, Israel- the Israelites that returned to the Promised Land after being in captivity in Babylon. So he brought them back, all right, and he was beginning to rebuild the nation. And the key task that he had was to rebuild the temple of God. 
All right? So the temple had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and it was just, everything was burnt and lying and dust and whatever, and his job was rebuild the temple. That was Zerubbabel's job. Now, God moved, God spoke, and, and incredibly moved people out of Babylon back to Israel to go and do this amazing task. He even provided supernaturally the gold, the, the stones, the wood, the, everything that they needed to do the job. They set out to do the job acting on the word of God. So Zerubbabel, just put yourself in his shoes. He, he knows he's called to do something big for God. You know what I'm talking about? You know God's got something for you. He finds out what it is. The prophetic word gets released. I'm this guy. I'm the rebuilder of the temple. He steps out to do the destiny and the purpose that God has called him for. And then the next thing that happens, everything is rosy and amazing. And there's daisies everywhere. And he's skipping through the daisies while he's laying bricks to build the temple. Not. Some of you think I'm just... Not. All right. Opposition comes. So when you step out, guess what? Opposition comes. It just comes. It comes. Why? Because there is someone who's holding onto this earth and does not want you to take the dominion. Someone is just holding back. So opposition comes against the rubable. And these, this opposition is well organized. They said letters. What are letters? Words. To try and discourage them. They sent letters to the king of Persia at that time. And they sent letters and they sent words and they sent messages. And they, they start to send out words to try and stop the building. It was just words. No one arrived with spears or AK-47s or anything like that. All right? They, it was just words that started coming. And guess what happened? Those words started to change the reality and the work on the temple stopped for 17 years. Just because of words. You step out under the calling and the anointing and you know what God has called you to do and guess what? You come against opposition and more words from the enemy come. You should never be doing this. You're never going to achieve this. Look at your like last quarter sales report. It's never going to happen. You know, and, and words start to come and what they can, those enemy words, they can actually hinder and pause and stop the work of God in your life if you allow them in to do the work that He wants them to do in your life. And that's what happened in that situation. Work had actually stopped. And, and, and legally so as well. Letters from, from the, the king had, had been sent to order them, stop building. Words came and said, you're not allowed to do what you're doing. So actually, in reality, when it talks about this mountain over here, it says, oh, oh great, who are you, oh great mountain? Well, that mountain in practical real life was actually a legal problem. It could be anything though. It could be a financial problem. It could be a relational problem. So when Jesus uses this language and says we're able to move mountains, he's talking about things that come to stop what God has planned for our lives. That's what mountains are. When Jesus says, if you can speak to this mountain, he's talking about financial problems, legal problems, relational problems, health problems, family problems, neighborhood problems, city problems, South Africa problems. We can keep going, okay? World problems, global problems. You know, he's talking, these are mountains. These are things that are stopping us from going through and experiencing what God has promised in our lives. 
It's interesting, I find, double interesting, that there's personality behind this mountain. Who are you, O great mountain? It's like this is like the mountain's a person. Because mountains have personality. They have demonic personality. Okay? This was a demonic principality. This was demonic powers that were working behind the scenes to stop God's plan. But in actual reality, it was just a legal problem that was actually taking place. See how these things can manifest. We've got to be able to see beyond the legal problem to know what this is. Because if you don't, you will just think it's a legal problem. Oh, I'm just unlucky. Or just nothing seems to go my way. No, 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 there's personality behind that thing that's causing it not to go the way. Are you with me? So then, look at what happens. It says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. What happened in the situation to turn it around? Well, God's strategy in this rebuilding of the temple, it stopped for 17 years. What was his, what does God do when, when he wants to see something happen? What does he send? He sends his, his word. So what did God do? He sends the prophet Zechariah and the prophet Haggai. And what did the prophets do? They start to speak the word of God. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And what God releases his word into the situation. So the prophets get to everybody together. They start to speak. God says this temple's going to be built. Everybody's saying it's impossible. Everybody's saying the king is against us. Everybody's saying there's financial lack. Everybody's saying there's a real problem here. Guess what? God says that you will finish that degree. God says that your child will be healed. God says that your family will be saved. They just begin to speak what God says into the situation. That's all. They start to speak. And not only speak to the situation, but they spoke to the mountain. Can you see? Who are you, O great mountain? That's offensive language. That's, that's like, I'm coming against this mountain in the name of Jesus. Who are you, O great mountain? You will become a plane. That's fight talk. Right there. That's speaking to mountains. So they speak to mountains. They believe in their hearts. And guess what? All of a sudden, the circumstances start to change. And the people rise up. And even though the legal requirements haven't changed, they start to build. They start to act. And as they start to act on the word of God, then the legal requirements actually change. There's a new king, Darius, in power. And he says, you know what? Why are we stopping these people? Let them go. Let them do what they want to do. So, this is just a picture of the sword of the, of, of the Spirit and how it needs to be used. We hear the Word of God, we act out, opposition comes, mountains come. What do we do? We release more Word. We release more Word into the situation. We speak to those mountains and we tell them to go in the name of Jesus. And then guess what? Things start to change again. But it all happens when we yield, this, we wield sorry, the sword of the Spirit. Amen. I'm done. Let's stand to our feet. Sorry, went on a bit long. (coughs) He will put the capstone (coughs) on it with shouts of joy. That was a statement of faith against every odd that they were looking at. If you were Zerubbabel in that situation, people... 
and, and somebody came to you and said, you will put the capstone on this building. That's, that's like the finishing stone, like the, you know, when you, you build the building and it's awesome and then you put the last stone in place, kind of like a, like in a ceremony, you know, you just kind of put it over there, like boom, it's done. Kind of like the star on the Christmas tree, boosh, you know, it's done, you know, and then the lights come on. So you will put the capstone. Everything was against that word in that moment. In the natural, everything was against Zerubbabel. You're going to put the capstone on that one. And you might be here today and you might look at your life and go, everything is against God's word that said you will finish this thing he's called you to do. God's word that says your body will be healed, your spouse will be saved, your ministry will flourish, you will preach the gospel, you will lay hands on the sick and they will get better, you will sing and change climates and cities and realities, you will start businesses and prosper and overcome and, and buy your parents a home and you will be in health. Sometimes those words are completely against everything that you're experiencing right here, right now. It's just so impossible in the natural. It's so difficult. It's so, is that really going to happen? But it is the Word of God. It is a sword. It is the weapon you need. It is the thing you need to say. It is the thing you need to believe. It is the thing you need to start declaring over your life every morning and every evening. Even more important than your breakfast and your dinner is that you take out the Word and you begin to speak the Word over your kids and over your family and over your home and over your life and over the city and over the church and over your situation and walk through your neighborhood where there's crime and grime and drugs and prostitution and walk through the streets and speak the Word of God that this place will flourish, that this place will turn around, that this city will change, that my family will prosper, that my kids will serve the Lord, that you begin to speak and believe and you speak and you believe and you begin to speak and believe and 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 mountains start to move and things start to change because you're speaking and you're believing Whatsoever things he says, he shall have. Whatsoever things you say, you will have. People, we need to release some word. We need to release some word of your life. You're here today and you've got a story. Your story needs to change. You need to rewrite the story of your life, people. Some of you are living under a bad story and it doesn't end well. Listen. You need to get rid of that thing. Come on, speak of your life right now. You need to change your story and say things like, I will prosper in the name of Jesus. And I will flourish. And my family will be saved. And my wife and I will finish strong. And we will prosper in what God's called us to do. You need to speak the blessing. Speak God's word. Speak rhema words. Spirit-empowered words over your life. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Open your mouth.